This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. In part two of the show, we're going to feature the always welcome Jack Benny and the gang. And you're going to love the setup in this episode. Jack's announcer, Don Wilson, won't sign his new contract, and Jack is holding him hostage. Guaranteed laughs coming your way here on Theater of the Mind. But first, we feature a relatively new addition to our lineup, Let George Do It, an American radio drama series produced from 1946 to 1954 by Owen and Pauline Vincent. Bob Bailey is the star in the show. He was regularly featured on network radio programs originating from uh, Chicago. He played the boyfriend of the title character's sister in The Brewster Boy and the father of one of the title characters in Meet Corliss Archer. He was signed by 20th Century Fox and appeared in seven feature films. The first two in which he was most prominent starred Laurel and Hardy. Bob Bailey started as a detective for hire George Valentine. If you've used Kijiji, this method of earning extra dollars is somewhat reminiscent in the show's premise. Clients came to Valentine's office after reading a newspaper that carried his classified ad. The uh, few earlier episodes were more sitcom than private eye shows, with a studio audience providing scattered laughter. The program then changed into a suspenseful tough guy private eye series. John Highstand was the program's announcer. The background music supplied by Eddie Dunstetter, initially with a full orchestra. And when television supplanted radio as the country's primary home entertainment, well, radio budgets got skimpier and skimpier, and Dunstetter's orchestra was replaced by an organ. When yours truly Johnny Dollar relocated to New York in 1960 to reduce costs and make more money available for television, CBS dumped Bailey... Having performed in almost 500 episodes, he had made the role his own. And with the end of his involvement, the show would wind down over the following two years before being taken off the air in 1962, by which time Bailey had virtually given up acting. And near the end of the 1962 film Birdman of Alcatraz, he can be seen as one of the reporters gathered around Burt Lancaster and Edmund O'Brien. That must have been a bit uncomfortable to Bailey, as O'Brien had portrayed Johnny Dollar on the radio from 1950 to 1952. So, let's return to those years to hear the episode 42 on a rope. Let George do it. of Chevron Supreme Gasoline and RPM Compounded Motor Oil invite you to Let George Do It. The Adventures of George Valentine brought to you on behalf of Chevron Gas Stations and Standard Stations throughout the West.
Tonight's adventure begins as George, feeling very safe after making a special trip downtown to pay the premium on his accident policy, walks briskly down an isolated street to where he has parked his car. Suddenly, from the open stairway of a building, a cascade of small round pellets bounces to the pavement, followed closely by a young woman in great haste. There is a collision, and George hits the sidewalk with the force of a blockbuster. You don't have an extra sacroiliac on you. Can you? Can you get up? I, I think so. Well, then, do you mind? I mind what? Getting up off the pavement. Well, if I'm in your way, couldn't I just slide over? You're lying on my pearls. Pearls? Oh, good. I thought those lumps were misplaced vertebrae. No. Oh. Hey, uh... Oh, thank you. Now, let me see. That makes 32, 33, 4... Yeah, here's a few in the gutter. Oh, good. Yes, 35... 36, 37. Hey, if you see any teeth down there, they're mine. Oh, I'm sorry you fell down. 38, 39. Oh, here's one of my trouser cuffs. Thanks. 40. I see you, you little rascal. 41. 41. 41. Lots of 41s, aren't there? I've lost one for 42. I've lost one. Oh, good Lord, what'll I do now? They'll kill me for this. Oh, come now, lady. Where is it? Where is it? There were 42 of them. What have you done with uh, them? Well, I, I'm afraid I've kicked it down that sewer drain. What? You kicked my pearl down the... Where? I don't see it. Oh, there. See? Here. Through the grating. Oh, well, you lucky. Landed right in that Sunday cup. Oh, I see it. Oh, yes, there it is. Thank heaven. But how do we get it out of there? Well, it's a very delicate engineering problem. I need a long stick and uh, and a chewing gum if you're through with it. Here. Thanks. Well, let's see. Oh, that's lucky. Here's a stick. Let's fight to it. Mm-hmm. Can you reach it? No. No, not long enough. You know, that's quite a drop down there. Oh, good Lord, if anything happens to that pearl. Well, I hate to do this, but... Are you going down there? Uh, huh? Here, hold my coat, will you, lady? All right. There's a ladder in here. Don't fall down and hurt the pearl. Oh, thanks a lot. I'll be careful. Uh-huh, got it. Give it to me, quickly. All right. Catch. Oh. Ah, nice one. Thanks. Hey, wait a minute. What are you doing Thanks in that ladder? Thanks a lot, Hanson. You've been very helpful. Hey, what is this? Put that ladder back. The least we can do is leave things like we find them. Hey, come back here. You, what's the matter with Don't you? Don't worry, lover. A heavy rain ought to float you right up to the top. Sorry, I just can't stand saying goodbye or answering questions. Well, I'll be... A... Hey! Help! <laughs> Something for you, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah, this looks like the right place. Are you Mr. Zagetti? To be precise, Bela Zagetti. I am he. Oh, Mr. Zagetti, I can see by the layout here you're a jeweler. Now, I wonder if... To be uh... precise, I am not a jeweler. I manufacture artificial gems. Uh, To put it this way, I do my small part to brighten the lives of those who otherwise are not very bright. Is this exact? Yeah, probably... Well, what I want to know is, have you recently brightened the life of a young lady with a string of artificial pearls? To be precise, a blonde, Miss Dale Quidden. Yeah, that's right. I saw her coming out of this building, and I thought that... A uh... beautiful job. Smooth and pink and utterly perfect. Yes, yeah, she was. To correct myself, I refer to the string of matched imitation pearls. Ah. Pink ones. Forty-two on a rope. She was pretty particular about the specifications. Oh, yes. They were a duplication of... But 
if I may ask you a question. Sure, of course. Uh, to put the question in this way, why do you ask this question? Well, I, uh, I admired her set. I was interested in buying it, but she wouldn't sell. I wondered if you could arrange for me to have a duplicate set. Oh, it would take many months. How much would it cost? It, to be precise, three hundred dollars. <laughs> Well, that's a little too precise. She told me you made hers for 200 But no, it was the same. The price is no different. Oh, well, maybe I misunderstood. But I'd like to check. Not that I distrust you. But no, you. there is no doubt. I am an honorable man. Please, verify this. Yeah, I'll do that. If you'd like to give me her address. But, of course, I have a record of my sales. You will find out. That's all I want, Mr. Zaghetti. I just want to find out. <laughs> George, anybody who'd go down into a sewer pipe after a blonde deserves everything... Oh, now listen, Brooksy, I didn't follow her into the sewer. I was doing my good deed for the day, and she ran off with my coat and wallet. Hmm. What were you looking for, a merit badge? Oh, now, Brooksy, listen. Well, it's a nice way to meet a girl, I must say. Sprawls senseless in the gutter. And all she has to do is blink those big brown eyes and... Blue eyes. Blue eyes. And you go scurrying down the drain pipe like a... Like a... Rat. Rat. Thank you. And then because you're caught in your own trap... Well, that'll teach me to keep my trap shut. You come cringing back to me like a... Like a... puppy. Puppy. And you expect me to feel sorry for you. So she jilted you. Good for her. What were you trying to prove anyway? Well, I guess I was just trying to prove I was willing to start at the bottom and work up. Brooksy. What? You're not mad. Oh, George, of course not. But I hate to see a woman make a fool out of a man like you... Another woman, that is. Well, don't you worry. I'm going to prove to her I'm nobody's fool. I know you're not, darling. Yet. Huh? But I'm working on it. Hey, wait a minute. Here we are. Yeah, you're right. There's the number. 7700. Uh-oh, is right. Sure you want me to come along? Unless you're afraid of the competition. What? Oh, aren't you smug. Lead on, Macduff. Yeah, here's her name on the box. Miss Dale Quillen. I'd like to give her a piece of my mind. Now, Brooksy, let me do the talking. Yeah? Miss Dale Quillen? You're kidding? I mean, I mean, she means, is Dale Quillen at home? You're kidding? Well, is he kidding? Well, someone is. Hey, did you get a look at that house? What, through that solid wall of muscle? Well, the place is a wreck. Furniture turned over, paper scattered on the floor. Poor housekeeper as well as a crook. What are you going to do? What is this, a gag? Um, we've decided to wait. What are you, a mad character or something? Blow. Oh, come off it now, handsome. Anybody can see you've got a heart as big as all outdoors. Yeah? Then stay outdoors. Hey, character, get your foot out of the door, I'll chop it off. You know, you could be a lot of company for us while we're waiting. Yes, sir. A lot of company. Yeah? Give me your address and I'll drop you a postcard. If you want it any clearer, I'll step outside. Come on, I dare you. Take it easy. I warned you, Joker. Let it go, Nubbin. You're too quick with the fish. You're all friends now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great little equalizer you got there. It is small, but persuasive. Bring him in, Nubbin. I think we have interest in common. Come on, In one piece, Nubbin. Perhaps you can take him apart later. Inside, kidder. Easy. 
Yes, Nubbin is just a big, playful child. He loves to take things apart, but he has never quite learned how to put them together again. Now, shall we talk? We'll return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, let's go from assault and battery to just plain battery. For thousands of Western motorists, October means a lot of weekend driving, like football games and hunting trips. But for the battery in your car, October means extra work and power drainage because of the colder weather and lots of stop-and-go driving. So let me give you a two-way economy tip. First, depend on the men at your standard station or independent Chevron gas station for periodic battery checkups. They have all the equipment and know-how for keeping up your battery's maximum power and for giving it longer life. Second, when you fill up your tank, ask for Chevron Supreme gasoline. Tailor-made for each different climate and altitude zone, high-octane Chevron Supreme assures instant starts, eliminates grinding on the starter, and drain on the battery. So for definite battery economy in colder weather, just remember, regular battery checkups at any Chevron gas station or standard station and Chevron Supreme gasoline. back to the second part of 42 on a Rope, tonight's adventure of George Valentine. Well, it seems that George's curiosity following his strange encounter with a mysterious girl and a broken string of pearls has landed him in a tight spot. For minutes now, Baptiste and Nubin have been questioning George and Claire until... I've told you everything I know. This girl, this stale quellant, made me look silly. So I came here for an explanation. Now I feel even sillier. You have come here looking for something. So have we. Naturally, we are all sincere people. Perhaps we can help one another, uh, Monsieur... Valentine. George Valentine. And that depends on what we're looking for. Naturally. Pink pearls, no? Forty-two on a rope, is it not? We're looking for Dale Quillen, remember? Naturally. Because when we find Miss Quillen, Baptiste Lavon also finds his pearls, n'est-ce pas? I wouldn't know. Who's Baptiste Lavon? Oh, my apology. It is I. Oh, I see. Well, what makes a string of phony oyster fruit so important anyway? Phony? I do not know this phony. Ringers, fakes, dupes. Artificial, counterfeit, paste. Ah, the replicas. You refer to this fraudulent string, huh? Huh? Ah, ah. Yeah, that's it. Where'd you get them? Uh, they were left by Miss Quillen at the check room of the Union Station. She sent me the claim check. At the same time, no doubt, boarding a train for some distant city. Why would she do that? Because they are worthless. Good imitations, no more. Value, perhaps $300. As you say, phony. You're trying to say she pulled a switch on you? Ran off with the real pearls, your pearls, and left you the ringers? That is correct. As always, Baptiste Lavon was sincere. I trusted her with 42 exquisite gems. Gems collected by no other than Louis XIV to give to his Antoinette. Tell me, Lavon, where did you get hold of Marie Antoinette's choker? Ah, spoils of war, Monsieur Valentine. As an officer of the Vichy government in France, my job was to appraise and catalogue war prizes for the victorious Nazis. Naturally, the sincerity and integrity of Baptiste Lavon were above approach. Naturally. So you held out the match picks. Naturally. Oh, when the fortunes of war were reversed, Baptiste Lavon reversed too. Uh, Miss Quillen came to Paris with an entertainment unit and... Uh, we became uh, friends. She smuggled them into the States for you. Well, that is correct. 
That'll teach you not to be so sincere. Are you kidding? Well, hello. Now, uh, you are friends of Miss Quiller. You see my predicament. Uh, I must know where she is. You will tell me? I've told you. I don't even know the girl. Your mode of entry contradicts you. You are a confederate. We are not quite fools here. Yeah, we ain't no dopes, you know. You do not help, nobody. Well, mm, they're stubborn. Now you may take the men apart. The girl adores him. She will weaken first. You may proceed. Yeah. I'll loosen him up first with my belt. Then I'll get technical. No, don't. He doesn't know anything. Let go of my arm, lady. Stop it. Let him alone, you fool. Can't you see he doesn't know anything? You won't let go, Baptiste. Yeah, I would advise you to do as nothing said. Claire, better sit this one out, honey. I won't let them. I... Who's that? Uh, I don't know. It seems to be a messenger of some sort with a package. A package? I will not insult your intelligence by warning you to keep quiet. Answer it, Nubbin. Yeah. I've got a package here addressed to, uh, Handsome. <laughs> handsome, that's all the name it's got. That's me. I'm Handsome. You? Are you sure? You're kidding? Give me the package. Well, can you identify yourself? Sure. Take a good look at me. Now, wouldn't you say I was handsome? Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. You got pretty eyes, too. Okay, give me the package and dust. <laughs> handsome, isn't it? This is surely not Nubbin, nor is it Baptiste Lavon. Handsome, then, is Monsieur Valentine. Oh, no, not me. No, it's Oh, not. yes, Monsieur Valentine. I will open the package for you. Sacre bleu. They're not here. It's nothing but a map. Yes, but a large map of the city with four small crosses marked on it. And these words, X marks the spot. But there are four X's. Yeah. One at High and 23rd. And one at Elmond Valley. And 14th and Underhill. And Cast and Granite. Four spots marked with X. What does this mean, Monsieur Valentine? Well, how should I Oh, know? go ahead, handsome. Tell them. They'll find out anyway. What? What are you... Oh, yeah, Okay. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? She planted the 42 real pearls in different places. So even if you found one hideout, she'd still have three quarters of them hidden away at other places. Excellent. You know these hiding places? Naturally. Excellent. We will all go hunting. Nubbin, the young lady, you and I, and the gun. Please do not forget the gun. <laughs> First stop, Costa and Granite. Where am I going to park? Pull up to the curb now and let us out. Then drive around the block and pick us up here. Okay. Now, where? Where is it? Quickly. I cannot control myself. Well, you see that big office building there? Yes, yes. You see that window up there with the jeweler's sign? <laughs> well, I, I don't see it. Higher. Look higher. No, no. Where is it? No, it's higher yet. That's higher. No. Oh. Come on, Brooksy, run for it. Into that theater. Oh, George, we haven't been to a movie in ages. <laughs> oh, it's 
a cartoon. Good, I could stand a laugh. We didn't come in here for laughs, Pussy. Do you think LeBon saw where we went? I don't know. Pretty dark in here. Do you see? Oh, a little. <laughs> Maybe we'd better take singles. You leave me alone and I'll scream the place down. Okay, okay. Hey, that looks like two in the middle there. Good. Excuse us, will you? Pardon me. I beg your pardon. Oh, this is fine. We can hold hands. Oh, George, are you all right? I think so. Oh, did you see that? That was very funny. The moss was run over by a steamroller. I know just how he felt. What's it all about, George? What did those four X's on the map really mean? I don't know, but I'm working on it. You think we're safe in here? Well, there are four X's and we're right in the Wait a minute. Shh. Quiet, I please. I got it, Claire. That's it. The four X's and us in the middle. Shh, quiet. What, you two? No, look, George. There's LeBon coming down the aisle. Yeah, Nubbin's coming down the other aisle. Oh, I don't think they've seen us. Let's get out of here. Oh, George. Oh, gosh. Now I'll never know how the mouse got out of the cement mixer. Anybody following us now, George? No, I think we've shaken them. Driver? Yes, sir. Got a map of the city? Yeah. Hey, huh? Good. Thanks. Say, pull over to the curb a minute, will you? Sure. What is it, George? I only hope LeVon doesn't figure it out as fast as I did. Hey, you got a pencil, Brixie? Uh, yeah, an eyebrow pencil. Good. Thanks. Hey, now look. You remember the four intersections where the X's were? Yes. Now, I fold up over here yeah. and draw a straight line from this X to this X. Fold it again and draw another from here to here. And you get a big X. Yeah, Brooksy. X marks the spot intersecting at DeLong and King Avenue. And that's where we'll find Miss Dale Quillen. You, you made it. Hello. And you did mean me. Of course, who else? I don't believe we've met before. I'm Claire Brooks, George's fiance. Uh, secretary. Well, it's practically the same thing. Looking at you, I guess it would be. How'd you know I was in your house? How'd you know I'd get your message? I knew Baptiste and Nubbin were inside. I was watching from the vacant house across the street. I saw them take you in and knew they'd make it tough for you. What made you think I'd catch that X marks the spot routine? Well, you'd gotten that far with a lot less to go on. Also, I found your business card in your wallet. You're George Valentine, aren't you? Well, perhaps I should introduce you two. I figured you'd know the score because you're a professional troubleshooter. And bother have I got trouble. Well, if you can be of any Now, help. wait a minute. Remember the sewer, George. Oh, I'm awfully sorry about that. I was panicky. It, it won't happen again. Darn white of you. Come on, let's get away from here. First of all, suppose you tell us what you did with Marie Antoinette's necklace. After you. I, I haven't got it. I don't know where it is. Oh, well, that helps a lot. Take off, driver. Any of it here. Now, wait a minute. Let me get this. All we know is that you smuggled the pearls into the States. Now you tell us you don't know where they are. Take it from there. I know I had them. Levon concealed the pearls in a bottle of wine. I saw him do it. They were stuck to the bottom of the bottle with wax so they wouldn't rattle. Then he filled the bottle and sealed the top. I paid customs duty on the wine and got them through. Very smooth. Go on. Well, when I, when I got here, the seal was still unbroken, but... Well, you won't believe this, but when I opened the bottle, the pearls were gone. 
Somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic, somebody had made a switch. You're telling me the pearls were hijacked from you? It's true, I swear it. But do you think Yvonne would believe that? He'd say I double-crossed him. Men are so skeptical. Do you believe me? Well... Say you do. Say you'll help me. All right, I do, and I'll help you. Oh, swell. Now, all we've got to do is find the person who stole the pearls from the girl who smuggled them in for the boy who stole them in the first place. It's okay, Dale. This is my office. You'll be safe here. Yes, I'll see to that. Come on in, Claire, and shut the door. Better lock it. Should I swallow the key? Why did we have to stop at the library? Why did you have to take out a book at a time like this? Well, I'll tell you. And listen carefully. Levon's desperate. We've got to have some answers ready for him before he catches up with us. Well, I have a feeling he's close by. You don't know him like I do. He's closing in on me. I know he is. Look, Dale, look. Keep calm. He's not in the filing cabinet or under the desk. Hey, Brooksy, open the closet door and show Dale he's not in there pointing a gun at her head. Okay. I have a surprise for you. He is. Huh? Keep your hands away from that desk, Monsieur Valentine. Back up, please, both of you. Miss Quillen, remain where you are. Oh, no. No, I knew it. I knew it. Face the wall, both of you. Your hands high. Higher. Nubbin? Yeah, Baptiste. Keep them covered. If either one makes a move to interfere, squeeze the trigger twice. I'll do that thing. And that's no gag, Joker. And now, we come to you, Sherry, at long last, eh? Baptiste, listen, you've got to listen. You've got to give me a break. You made a fool of Baptiste Lavon once. For that alone, I hate you. Should you do it twice, I would hate myself. No, Sherry, your luck has run out. I didn't double-cross you, Baptiste. I swear I didn't. No? What do you call these? Pearls? You rotten little cheat. Don't listen. I had them made, but give me a chance. I can explain. No, Cherie, they're phonies. Phony like yourself. That is the pearls. They were, they were gone when I opened the bottle. Somebody took them. You've got to believe me. You carry the light to the end, eh, Cherie? <laughs> Your last chance, my darling. Where are the pearls? I don't know. Don't move. Stay just as you are. I want to remember you like this forever. Bonsoir, Cherie. Come on. Quiet, Joker. I know where the pearls I are. I said quiet. Wait. What was that, Monsieur Valentine? Call off your dog, Levon. I'm ready to talk. Don't listen, Baptiste. He's a kidder. You can talk, Monsieur Valentine, from where you are. All right. Your story about Marie Antoinette's necklace got me interested in famous jewels. I've been to the library and picked up a book. That's it on my desk there, the red one. Now, go on, open it. To the page I have marked. If this Wait, is nothing. The book, yes. Jewels of history. Go on, read it. Read what it says. I am reading. What is it, George? It's Dale's life insurance, Claire. Uh-huh. I have read it. Well? Well, I guess you win, Valentine. Can we put our hands down now, Levon? <laughs> of course. Let them alone, Nubbin. You have very nearly made a tragic mistake. I thank you, Monsieur Valentine. Baptiste Lavon thanks you. I don't get this, Baptiste. Come, Nubbin. We've worn out our welcome. Monsieur Valentine, we will trouble you no more. You will never see us again. Bonsoir, chérie. Now I will remember you always as you were in Paris. Oh, 
was a miracle. That's all it was, just a miracle. What did you do to him, George? What was in that book? Read it, Claire. Out loud. Oh. Yes. Cleopatra's Pearl. Cleopatra, to impress Mark Antony, once dissolved a pearl in vinegar and drank it to his health. Dissolved it? Wait a minute. Listen. Go ahead, Claire. Pearls which consist of carbonate of lime are extremely soluble in weak acids. They will dissolve in vinegar containing 6% or more of acetic acid or in wine which is turned sour. It was the wine that did it. The wine in the bottle. According to the U.S. Bureau of Chemistry and Soils, pearls consist of 91 and 7 tenths percent. Never mind the rest, Claire. That's enough. Well, how do you feel now, Dale? Completely dazed. LeVon didn't have an argument in the world. He knew he planted the pearls in that wine bottle himself. He had nobody to blame but himself. I can't believe it. You saved my life and I... Oh, George. Now what? Now I have to go to jail. Well, it's going to be kind of hard to hold you there. Why? Well, technically, since there weren't any pearls in the bottle when you brought it through the customs station, you actually didn't smuggle anything in, even though you meant to. LaVon filched the pearls from the Nazis, but I doubt if any of them will turn up to claim them. No, it was all a wild goose chase for something that simply didn't exist. Well, I'm going to confess my part of it and take what's coming to me. But first, George. Yeah? May I kiss you? <clears throat> he saved my life, Miss Brooks. May I? Where I'm going, it'll be a long time between kisses. Well, things aren't much better around here. But... Oh, all right, go ahead. Honestly, I think I must be going loony. Goodbye, George. Uh, Dale. <laughs> Just a minute. Yes? Be a nice girl and hand it over. What? Oh, come on, Dale. You certainly haven't forgotten why I got into this in the first place. And if you think I'm going to let you walk out of that door with my wallet, you're loony. If your family car is the kind that does all-around duty, like taking mother shopping, dropping the children off at school, picking up father after work, you can't choose your tires too carefully. That's why I'd like to talk to you tonight about Atlas Grip Safe Tire. The Atlas Tire has a specially designed tread that actually grips the road and brings you to a sure, safe stop whenever you apply the brakes. Tomorrow... Ask at your independent Chevron gas station or standard station about the built-in safety features of Atlas tires. Then try them on your car for extra protection and extra riding comfort. Best of all, when you buy an Atlas passenger car tire, you get a written one-year guarantee against the cuts, bruises, and blowouts that threaten the life of ordinary tires. While you're talking tire safety and comfort at the standard station or independent Chevron gas station, ask for those two other motor car friends, Chevron Supreme Gasoline and RPM Motor Oil. Next week, when you tune our way for The Joke Was on the Killer, another adventure of George Valentine, you'll hear George saying, Some joke, I'd say. Brooksy, see what's happened to Mrs. Ralston, will you? Well, sure, George. Glenn, he made me go through with this farce and shoot those blanks. Well, he's not going to do anything like that to you again, Agnes. Wait a minute. Listen, everybody. This man is dead. We've had enough of this vicious nonsense. You're part of this, too. This act, Valentine. Now I know it. And you, get up. Oh, leave him alone. 
Come and help me with Mrs. Ralston, George. Now, stop this, all of you. Just what do I have to do to make myself clear? This started out as a joke, but it's no longer funny. This man is completely, hopelessly dead. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, time for the Jack Benny Show. So it's back to 1949 and the episode, Don Wilson's Contract. program starring Jack Benny with Phil Harris, Rochester's Dennis Day, Don Wilson, and yours truly, Mary Livingston. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, today is my turn to make the opening announcement because Jack still has Don Wilson locked in his den, and he intends to keep him there till Don signs his new contract. As we look in on Jack's home, we find him in Rochester discussing the situation. Boss, I don't like to butt into your affairs, but I think that if you won't let Mr. Wilson go, you ought to at least give him a little food. He's lost so much weight, his face is getting awful thin. It is? Yeah, this morning I peeked in at him through the keyhole and saw both his eyes peeking back. <laughs> well, look, Rochester, I'll let Mr. Wilson out when he signs the contract and not before. But, boss, he's desperate for food. You know that moose head hanging over the piano? Don't tell me he ate the moose head. No, the piano. <laughs> what? And with those keys sticking out of his mouth, he looks like Don Amici. <laughs> Rochester, stop making up such silly things. I'll get it. Oh, hello, kids. Hello, hello Jack. Jack. Hello, Jack. Well, this is a coincidence, all three of you coming at the same time. Well, Jack, it's no coincidence. We're over here to make a protest. A protest? Yes, just because Don won't sign his contract, you lock him up like a common criminal. It's awful. It's humiliating. It's insulting to his dignity. Oh, it is, eh? What have you got to say about it, Dennis? Nothing. Tenors are a dime a dozen. Well, look, kids, I don't think this is any of your business. I happen to be the boss of my program, and I'll run things the way I want to. Well, we're making it our business. Oh, you are, eh? Let me tell you something. A business is like a ship, and whether it sinks or floats depends upon the captain. And you know what it is when the crew revolts against the captain. Yeah, it's matinee. That's mutiny! (laughs) Matinee. I'm ashamed of all of you, but you the most, Mary. Imagine you being the ringleader after all I've done for you. Took you from nothing. Put you on the radio. And made a big star out of you. Some big star. If I didn't double at the Burbank Theater, I'd starve to death. <laughs> the, uh, the Burbank Theater? Gee, ball of fire, Livingston. <laughs> all right, now listen, all of you. Now listen, my business dealings with Don Wilson don't concern you. The only things you should be interested in are your own contract. Well, I got a beef on that, Jackson. Look at the way you got me to sign my last contract. What are you talking about? You signed it in five minutes. I know, but look at the way you tortured me. You shoved a billiard ball in my mouth and locked me in a room with a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Gee, Phil, what did you do? I had to knock out my front teeth. To get the ball out? No, to get the bourbon in. 
Now, look, look, kid. You're better off than I am, Phil. Mr. Benny signed me to the longest-term contract in radio. How long is your contract with Jackson, kid? I don't know, but when I signed it, he slipped a ring on my finger and said, till death do us part. (laughs) Why, you kids should be happy you're working for me. There's something to be proud of. Well, I still think it's humiliating. Particularly that clause you have in my contract saying that if anything terrible happens to my sister, Babe, you have the right to use it on your program. Well, Mary... Well, Babe wrote me and said she's fed up with it, all those terrible things you say about her, like she's modeling harnesses, or she was voted Miss Lower Plate Wobble, or a plain floor and dropped a veil of hay. You gotta stop that, Jack. Okay. By the way, how are things going with your sister, Babe? Oh, fine. She meets gorgeous George at the Olympic Wednesday. <laughs> uh, you write that down, Rochester? Got it! Good. <laughs> yeah. Jack. Jack, there's John rattling at the door. He must be starved. Yeah, Jack, unlock that door so we can talk to him. I will not. Jack, open that door. We want to talk to Don. Oh, all right. Anyway, we can talk to Don. Well, Don, are you going to sign that contract? I won't. I won't. Who's there with you? Who are those people? Well, uh, Don, uh, don't you recognize us? I'm Mary, and there's Phil and Dennis. I don't know these people. Get them out of here, Jack. They're just here to torture me. Now, look, Don. Look, Don, I'm your friend, Mary Livingston. Oh, yes, Mary. Mary, please talk to Jack about my contract. Dennis, Dennis, tell Jack to give me a fair deal. Tell him how lousy he is. Oh, he knows that. (laughs) Quiet, kid. You better sign that contract, Dante. You ain't round and firm anymore. (laughs) Don, why don't you listen to reason and then... Who's that? Oh, look out the window, Mr. Benny. It's your quartet. The sportsman? I wonder what they want. Jack, that's the only pleasure I get. They come over every day and serenade me. Raise the window, Jack. Please. Okay. Go ahead, fellas. Sing to me. If you had the wings of an angel Over these prison walls you could fly If you could fly And then you could light up a lucky And write us John in the sky Up in the sky Oh, we miss you, dear Don We all miss you And we're hoping that you won't be there long Won't be there long (laughs) But if Jack keeps you in there forever Now, now close the window. Don, Don, that quartet touched a soft spot in my heart. Now, I'll give you that raise you were holding out for. Now, sign the contract and go home. Okay, okay. Give me the pen. I'll sign. I'll sign. There. I did it. I did it. I'm free. I'm free. Do you hear me? Free! Don, look out for the window. Oh, my goodness. He jumped. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> 
It's too bad he ran away so fast. I was going to give him a new suit and a $5 bill. <laughs> now, look, kids, I hope you all learned something from this. Now that I let Don out, I don't want to have trouble with anyone else. From now on, when we have rehearsal, to be on time, pay attention to your job, and take direction from me, and there'll be no trouble. Direction from you? Certainly. I've been in radio for 17 years, and I know how things should be done. That's why I'm so much in demand. In demand? Wait a minute, Dad. <laughs> You told me you were going to be on the Ford Theater last Friday night, so I tuned in and heard Claudette Colbert and Vincent Price. You weren't even on. Well, Phil, they begged me, but at the last minute, I couldn't make it. Begged you? That isn't what Claudette told me. Mary, we're not discussing that now. What did Claudette tell you, Mary? Mary, if you say one word, I'm leaving the room. I don't want to hear this silly talk. I don't care. I'm going to tell him. All right, then. I'm going out. Come on, Livy. Tell us. Well, here's what happened. Last week, when Jack heard that Claudette Colbert was going to be on the Ford Theater program... Yeah, yeah. He immediately called up my two Marshall, the director of the show, and tried to get on it, too. He couldn't wait to get to the phone and call Mr. Marshall. Hello, Kenyon and Eckhart, radio advertising agency. Uh, may I speak to Mr. Markle, please? Who's calling? Uh, Jack Benny. What's your hooper? <laughs> Uh, 28.9. Oh, then Mr. Markle will talk to you. Thank you. Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Markle. Uh, Mr. Markle, uh, this is Jack Benny. Yes, Mr. Benny, what can I do for you? Well, I understand that Claudette Colbert and Vincent Price are appearing on your Ford Theater program. That's right. Well, I thought perhaps... You might like to use me instead of Vincent Price. Mr. Benny, didn't you do uh, personal appearances in Europe last summer? Yes, yes, I did. And uh, you just finished producing a picture called The Lucky Stiff? Uh-huh. And uh, didn't you just sell your program to CBS? Yes, yes, that's right. Well, please let somebody else make a buck, will you? <laughs> Mr. Marshall. Mr. Markle, it, it, it's not a question of money. It's a matter of proper casting. Now, does Miss Colbert know that you have Vincent Price? She picked him. Ah. <laughs> well, uh, don't you think it would be better if we... No. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Mr. Markle, if you give me the job, I can save you money. You can? Yes, I can not only act, but I can play in the orchestra. You see, I'm also a violinist. So, you see, by doing two jobs... Two jobs for the same salary. I'll be beating Vincent's price. <laughs> hey, that was a good one. <laughs> Mr. Marco. Mr. Marco. Just a moment, please. I'm cutting my wrists. <laughs> I'll wait. I mean, wait a minute. Look, look at there's no need. There's no need for bloodshed. Now, Mr. Markle, if you don't mind, I'll call Miss Colbert and take the matter up directly with her. I wish you would. Thank you. Goodbye. Now, let's see. I'll look Claudette's number up in the phone book here. Here we are. Caldwell, Cauldron, Colfax, Coldcuts. <laughs> I used to go with a girl named Coldcuts. 
Blossom cold cut. <laughs> See, here we are, Colbert, Colbert. Oh, here it is, Claudette Colbert. Rescue 73872. Hello? Hello, I'd like to speak to Claudette Colbert, please. This is Miss Colbert speaking. <laughs> Oh, hello, Claudette. Uh, guess who this is? Well, really, I haven't the slightest idea. Well, you, you know me very well. Uh, come on, guess. Well, now... Uh, remember a few years ago at Paramount? Who had the dressing room next to yours? Oh, hello, Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy? Look, this isn't Lemoore. Look, Dorothy's dressing room was on one side of yours. Now, who was on the other side? That was the washroom. <laughs> Only part of it. <laughs> Claudette, Claudette, this is Jack. Oh, Jack, hello. Jack who? Hello, Jack Benny. Benny, and Claudette, you'll never guess why I'm calling. You're starting a pyramid club. <laughs> Besides that, look, <laughs> one, one of the reasons I called is to tell you that I saw your latest picture, Family Honeymoon, and I thought you were wonderful in it. Oh, thank you. You were really marvelous. I thought your characterization, your sincerity, and your comedy interpretation surpassed anything I've ever seen on the screen. Well, that's awfully sweet of you, Jack. I, I want to congratulate you on, uh, uh, on, uh, on, uh... On, uh, on what, Claudette? What have you been doing lately? <laughs> lately, I'm with Columbia now. Oh, well, how are things on Broadway at nine? <laughs> no, 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 you're thinking, you're thinking of Eastern Columbia. See, I'm with CBS. Oh. But look, Claudette, here's what I want to talk to you about. You see, Fletcher Markle, the director of the Ford Theater, just called me about the show you're going to do. Called you? Yes. And he suggested that I play the part of your husband in the sketch. But I understood Vincent Price was playing the part. Well, he was scheduled to, but if you want me, all you've got to do is speak up. <laughs> I said, all you've got to do is speak up. Claudette. Just call me Johnny Belinda. <laughs> huh? Oh, oh. Well, I, I wish you'd think this over because it would really be a wonderful break. Especially for me. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Let's say it'll do us both a lot of good. Shall we? <laughs> Would you mind hanging up? Now, wait a minute, Claudette. How about the idea? Huh? Honestly, Jack, I have nothing to do Now, look, do Claudette, with I've got another idea. Why can't Will I... Will you please deposit five cents for an additional three minutes? Three minutes already? <laughs> Just a second. Would you mind dropping a nickel in, Claudette? <laughs> you called me, remember? Oh, oh, that's right. What am I thinking of? Here, I've got a nickel. There. See, it doesn't seem like we've been talking for three minutes, does it, Claudette? You ought to be on this end. <laughs> oh. Well, to come to the point, when do you start rehearsing for the play? Tonight at my house, but I don't think... Well, you wait, tonight, well, look, at, at your house, at what time? No, Jack, eight o'clock. I, I really don't think... Eight o'clock? Well, thanks, Claudette. See you tonight. I'll read the part, and Vincent Price will read the part, 
And may the best man win. I hope so. I knew you'd be plugging for me. <laughs> well, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, Claudette, shall I come for dinner? Claudette! Claudette! Gee, that second three minutes went fast. <laughs> And you know, kids, after that, you think Jack would have sense enough to stay away, but not little blue eyes. No kidding. No, at 8 o'clock sharp, he showed up at Claudette Colbert's house. Gee, Claudette has a nice home. Yes, sir? Uh, Miss Colbert is expecting me for rehearsal. I'm Jack Benny. All right, this way, Mr. Benny. May I take your hat and coat? Here you are. Thank you. Well... It's the first time I ever saw a hat with a bird nest in it. <laughs> Give me that. It came off. Oh. <laughs> They're going to rehearse in the drawing room, Mr. Benny. I'll show you it. Thank you. Mr. Price is already here. Oh, he is. One of those, uh, one of those anxious guys, eh? Well, well, Mr. Vincent Price. I'm Jack Benny, the movie star. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Price? So the, um, the two rivals meet, eh? Rivals? What do you mean? Well, perhaps I should let Claudette tell you, but it looks like I'm taking your place on the Ford Theater program. That's ridiculous, old boy. Oh, no, it isn't. You see, at rehearsal tonight, you and I are both going to read the part. And, of course, the best man will win. The, uh, best man? Yes. Mr. Benny, when only two people are involved in a statement, the comparative is used. You don't say the best man will win. You say the better man will win. Oh. Now, if three or more people are involved, then the word best is the correct adjective. I, uh, I see. So before we compete for this, Mr. Benny, it might be well if you first learn to speak English. Well, for your information, Mr. Price, I went to Waukegan High School for four years and I excelled in English. In fact, I got 99 every single term. Well, ain't that ginger peach? Now, cut that out! <laughs> I've heard of sore losers in my life, but this guy takes the case. Now, step right in here, Mr. Markle. Miss Colbert will be with you shortly. Thank you. Oh, hello, Vincent. Fletcher, old boy. How are you? Fine, fine. Hello, Mr. Markle. What are you doing here? Well, I... Just thought I'd drop around and see if I... Now, listen, Fletcher. I don't know what this is all about, and I demand an explanation. Am I or am I not going to appear opposite Miss Colbert? Of course you are. Then what is this Schlemiel talking about? (laughs) Schlemiel? Yes. S-H-L-E... I know how to spell it. (laughs) I didn't get 99 in English for nothing. (laughs) Now, let me tell you something. Good evening, everybody. Oh, look, here's Claudette. Oh, hello, Claudette. How are you, darling? Well, everybody's here now. Just set the coffee on the table, Richard. Yes, madam. Coffee, Fletcher? No, thank you. Vincent? Yes, please. I'll, uh, I'll have a cup, too. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Here you are, Jack. Thanks. Mmm. Gee, Claudette, this is the better coffee I ever tasted. <laughs> The word is best. There are only two of us drinking it. Make up your mind. <laughs> For heaven's sake. Well, we're all here, so let's get started with the rehearsal. Richard, uh, you may take the cups away now. But Mr. Benny hasn't finished his coffee yet. Oh, 
Well, you can take his cup. He's drinking out of the saucer. <laughs> oh, I'm through now, so let's get going with the contest. I mean, the rehearsal. Just one moment. Fletcher, let's get this settled for Mr. Denny's benefit. Is he or is he not replacing me in the play? Certainly not. That's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. I think it's absurd. You stay out of it. <laughs> Just take my saucer like you were told. <laughs> Smart Alec. Please, please, let's get on with the rehearsal. Now, Mr. Benny, if you insist on staying, take a chair and be quiet. Yes, sir. Oh, Claudette, is it all right if I have some of these walnuts here? Certainly, help yourself. Thanks. Hmm. See, they're big one. Now, uh, Claudette, if you and Vincent are ready, please to begin. Boy, these nuts are good. Claudette, uh, in this play, you're a wealthy society girl who's married to a New York stockbroker. That's you, Vincent. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't love you, Claudette, and as the French say, it's a marriage of convenience. That was a tough one. <laughs> Mr. Benny, will you please stop eating those nuts? Claudette said I could. Anyway, Mr. Mark, I don't want to sit around here like a bump on a log. If I can't have the lead in the play, isn't there something I can do? All right. It'll make you happy. You can play the part of the butler. Hmm. Butler. Here's your script. Thanks. Now, remember, Claudette, you're the wife. Vincent, you're the husband who doesn't understand her. And Jack... I'm the butler whom Claudette really loves. You're the butler, that's all. Don't shout at me. I'm old enough to be your brother. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. All right, Claudette... Now, you start the scene. Remember, your husband is two hours late for dinner, and you're a nervous wreck. I understand. Go ahead. You call the butler. Yes. <clears throat> oh, Smedley. Smedley. Yes, madam. Smedley. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, madam? Are you sure my husband hasn't phoned? No, madam. Shall I serve dinner? No, Smedley, no. I'm much too upset to eat. I've been under such tension all day. I feel so miserable and low. Oh. Feeling low. Feeling tense. Jack. These eight words are common sense. Jack. Smoke a lucky. To keep your level better. That's not in the script. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Some butler was singing commercials yet. Yeah. Now, Claudette, at this point, the husband enters the room. Go ahead, Vincent, make your entrance. Okay. Uh, good evening, darling. So sorry I'm late. Oh, Michael, you're always late, and you're always sorry. It's been like this for months. What's come between us? If I only knew, maybe we could work things out. Oh, it's nothing, my dear. It's just that I've been so busy lately at the office. Now, let's forget it. Come in and give me a kiss, and perhaps we can... Dinner, sir. Oh, pardon me. I came in too soon. <laughs> I can't just kiss you and forget it, Michael. We must come to some understanding. This can't go on forever. When? Let's be adult about the whole thing, shall we? Every night it's the same argument, this constant nagging, nagging, nagging. I tell you, I've been working at the office. But I phoned your office and they said you left at two this afternoon. Well, I had business at the bank. Do I have to explain my every move to you? Your jealousy is driving me insane. <laughs> See, this one's got a worm in it. <laughs> Put it back in the bowl. Jack, stop interrupting. I'll continue, Claudette. Yes, uh, oh, it's no use, Michael. I know you're lying. Look at you. Everything you say, everything you do gives you away. We must reach a definite understanding. Well, you can keep on talking. I'm going to have dinner. But, Michael, I can't go through with another day of this uncertainty. I must know. 
Do you love me or not? Of course I love you. You're lying, Michael, lying. Very well, then, I'm lying. You might as well know the truth, my dear. I've never loved you, never. Keith, and if you weren't so stupid, you'd have known it long ago. Michael, Michael, what are you saying? I married you for your money, that's all. Everybody else knew it. And if you weren't such a blind little fool, you would have realized it yourself. Oh, stop! Michael, stop! Well, Glenn, now that you know how things stand, the sooner you divorce me, the happier I'll be. No! No, I'll never divorce you, Michael! I couldn't live without you! I couldn't! I couldn't! Tears, tears! Oh, stop the dramatics! Michael! I'm moving to my club. Smedley, pack my clothes. I wouldn't touch your dirty clothes. Continue, Vincent. Well, goodbye, Gwen. I'm going to the club. Our attorneys can get together tomorrow. Don't go, Michael. Please don't go. Stop hanging on to me. But I won't give you up. I won't. I won't. Stop it, I say. Let go of me. No, no. Then take that. <laughs> that does it. Striking a woman. Put up your dukes, Mr. Price. What? Come on, fight. Ooh. <laughs> Look at Benny. He's out cold. Vincent, you shouldn't have hit him so hard. I didn't hit him. I did, madam. <laughs> Shall I throw some cold water in his face? No, no, we'll just go in the other room and rehearse. Come on, Vincent, and bring the walnut. Hmm, that Mary has a lot of nerve. Oh, Jack, Jack. Oh, hello, Claudette. Sitting on the curb for? Oh, it's all your fault. You told Mary what happened at your house the other night. Now she's inside telling it to Dennis and Phil. And you know Mary. She'll put in a lot of things that aren't even true. Yeah, I guess I know. Uh, by the way, Jack, how's your nose? Well, it's a little better, but it still hurts. Good night, folks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to tune in to the CBS Sunday lineup, which includes the Prudential Hour, Jack Benny, Amos Mandy, Sam Spade, and Lemon Abner. Don't miss Don Amici in Your Lucky Strike every afternoon. And listen to Dennis Day in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hey, thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in Bold Venture, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.